Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And today we are going to talk serious business. And I will tell you, as a business owner, for probably well over a decade, I did not understand my numbers. And nor did I even care to understand my numbers because it just really bored me. And it's something that I really kind of shot away from and I really left it up to my accountant, which that is great to outsource. But if you don't understand your numbers, you're never going to be able to grow, seriously grow. And I realized real quick that I was my worst enemy. And so once I met a few people that really made me understand my numbers, it changed my business, it changed my life. And so today we are chatting with CEO and scaling strategist. Now, if you don't understand what the word scaling means, that's okay. Because a few years, I didn't know what the hell it meant either. And so Lane Booth is the CEO of the Project Booth. And she's going to talk to us today on how to scale to your next million. Now, if you don't have a million dollars in revenue or gross sales or net sales, and you don't even understand that because I didn't understand it either for many years, she's going to share all that great insight with us today. And she makes it fun too. So Lane, thank you so much for being here today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Angela. I am super excited to be here. So before we dive into like your numbers scaling strategy journey, like how did you get started in this whole world of, okay, I'm going to do this thing, this thing called the project booth? Like, where did this all come from? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. What's up, GSD leaders? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Business Unveiled, where we share expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals. You know we're going to take you behind the scenes of our experiences, share with you what we've learned from them, and how it's made us stronger. Because no one said it's easy owning a business, right? But it's a lot more fun when you've got a strong support team around you. And that's exactly what we do at GSD Creative. We're right there by your side. And I'm so excited that you've chosen this podcast to take the first step in growing a productive, profitable, and successful, wildly successful business within the hospitality and creative industry. Today's episode is being brought to you by 99designs. 99designs is the global creative platform that makes it super easy for designers and clients to work together to create designs they absolutely love. You can get creative concepts from a multitude of talented designers you get matched with the perfect designer to help you bring your idea to life from start to finish. From logos to packaging, apps to books, 99designs is a faster, simple, and affordable way to find and work with creative talent. You can save $10 today on your first design by visiting bit.ly slash AP99designs. Give it a try. Yes, that's a great question. And I, I do. I love telling the story too, because I am a, I'm a believer of people. So I feel like if you have a dream to do something, then that is your, your obligation. And it's part of your journey to figure out what that is and then to go with it with everything you got. Um, and that's exactly what my journey was like. Um, I mean, I went through uh, the, I call it, you know, kind of the traditional path, like, Hey, go to school, high school, college, graduate, get a corporate career. Um, but I found that was leaving me lacking. And at the same time growing, um, you know, starting a young family, I just felt like I didn't even have time to see them. So, um, from there, you know, I had this great corporate career where I did spend, you know, we were a, a big, big company. So I was always, 
figuring out the numbers so that the business leaders could make better decisions. So, hey, why were sales down uh, last month versus last year? Why were um, why are we not seeing, you know, the sales team generate the same amount of revenue? Why did this pair of pants not sell anything like, <laughs> you know, this other pair of pants? Why is the red more than the blue? So there's all these questions that were constantly coming up. And I was like, you know what? I bet small businesses need that kind of support too. And so mm -hmm. from there I started, um, connecting with folks and reaching out and just trying to figure out, Hey, what kind of problems, um, are small businesses facing and would having more data around that more clarity in the numbers the more um, uh, better understanding of the the upside and the downside of the decisions that they were making next and was like all right how do we bring this to the table and so that's that's how the project booth was born i love it i love it and for some of the people listening who might be like i was <laughs> several years ago like you know, all these words. And it's funny because I'll make up like silly little acronyms. And um, like I was in a business class years ago and I'm like, how do you understand like the difference between this and this? And like the stuff they told me to think of is just hilarious, but it like makes me remember it. So as we're talking through um, KPIs and metrics and all of these words, um, don't assume that everybody knows what they are. And ladies and gentlemen, it's okay if you don't. That's why you're listening to this podcast today so you can walk away and learn and be more informed as to how and why this is like the most important thing. And again, in the beginning, it wasn't really fun for me, but then once I understood and then now the first of every month, that's how we bill and that's how we do projections. And I get very excited over numbers and scaling and all of those kinds of things. So yes. in terms of KPIs and what metrics would you say really matters? And for those of us who don't know what KPIs or how to set them, I mean, it can like completely kill your time if you don't know what you're doing here. So mm -hmm. if you share a little bit about that. Absolutely. So let's just bring it down to basics. I, I'm a big believer in making things simple so that you can take action because no one understands complicated. Yeah. So, <laughs> so KPIs, KPIs are key performance indicators. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a term that's been around um, for a while and it's kind of making its way into to different um, segments of, of business now. But um, those key performance indicators, that's basically, those are like your, your milestones. Those are your, the flags that are coming up in your business to let you know, Hey, am I on the right track? Um, I like to think of it as like a basketball game. It's a lot easier to play and strategize when you can see the scoreboard and you know how many points your team has versus the other. Right. So it's this same sort of thing. We want to have some things that we can measure along the way in your business so that we don't get to the end of the year and be like, well, oh, shoot, we we completely missed our revenue goals. We completely missed our profit goals. No, you want to be able to figure that out <laughs> much earlier on in the game. You want to know, you know, January week one or week two um, that how you're playing to win. And mm -hmm. so. There And one thing too, I wanted to clarify a lot of times when you hear, Hey, you need to know your numbers. A lot of people mm -hmm. think accounting and bookkeeping. And oh, while that, yes. <laughs> while that is good. very valuable, <laughs> yes. I want to, I want to highlight something for you guys. If you are just looking at the revenue in your business, that is the last thing that happens in your business to tell you if you've been doing a good job. Mm -hmm. That's what we call a lagging indicator. That's what happens at the end. What you want to do to really be able to move and pivot in your business is to know what the leading indicators are. So leading, these are things like, hey, how much traffic is coming to your website? What kind of conversion rates do you have? How many you know, subscribers do you have on your list or on your social platforms? These are the, the inklings. These are like the little breadcrumbs that are going to lead you through and let you know, hey, do I have enough stuff happening on the leading edge? to know that at the end of the day, when we do get down to revenue and profits, that's going to be just a beautiful flow through of everything I was doing on the front end. If yeah. And, oh, absolutely. And yes. So thank you for clarifying that because it can be seen as accounting, which like you said, is very important. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing your numbers, like you said, 
like I was looking on your website and on the home page, it says like, here are some of the tools that, you know, you can get all of this data from. And I know people think like data oh, or tracking it. Oh, well, guess what? When you think you're making money and then you have extra money and you want to go take that money and do something with it, which a lot of people will say, oh, I want to invest to market X, Y, Z. But then you find out that you have no pixel code hooked up from Facebook (laughs) and your Google Analytics was never set up by your website developer because they were more concerned about making it look pretty on the front end, but didn't set up the back end. Or if you put courses on Kajabi and you don't have the tracking code set up for that. And um, like we use probably everything that you have on your website, (laughs) like (laughs) Infusionsoft and Stripe and Acuity and ActiveCampaign and Google Drive and Shopify and Instagram. Like you make decisions by your numbers. It's not what you think. Like when we decide to do an Insta Live with someone, we both look at our metrics and we both look at our analytics and it's like what day of the week what time are people on the most and hey sometimes it's sunday night at 9 p.m central time so guess what we're gonna do our insta live at that time because that's when the most people are on so those are just like simple like you were saying like keep it simple to where you let the data make the decisions not you just do what you think because that never is good. Um, so yes. talking about like really scaling and scaling to your next million and leveraging team members and being productive with time and profits, talk to us about what does that mean when you say scale to the next million? Like, oh, it's no big deal. Like it's a lot of hard work to get there. So what would one yeah. do? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's a great, a great time to you know make a distinction there. So I feel like there's a big difference between growing your business and scaling your business. Mm-hmm. When you're in this growth mode, you are testing and trialing and winning and failing. And you know what? You just got a lot of things going on because essentially you are collecting data at this point. You're figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Once you have figured out what tends to work for you, then you really move into, okay, now that I know what works, I want to go into scaling mode and I want to scale up what works as much as possible because that's where the fast wins are. That's where the rapid growth can happen. It, and absolutely, I can come back later and do some more testing and trialing. But once I figured out something that works, if my goal in my business is to make money, then I'm going to double down on what works and I'm going to stop doing the stuff that really does not support my business, that does not support profitability. Um, and, and sometimes it's stopping the stuff that just is such a, a time suck that it needs to be a parking lot item anyway. Because you, as CEO of your business, you need to have, you know, that time, that cash flow, and that predictability to know that, hey, if I'm going to dump, you know, $10,000 into ads or marketing, that it's going to yield me $100,000 on the back end. And how, how would someone know that? Like, just for example, like if I ran a Facebook ad and I spent, $10,000 a week on a Facebook ad. If I'm making X, then I'm winning, right? This is this is such a great example. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. So I would love for you to explain and elaborate. It's, it's funny. You know, I've, I've got some Facebook ads that I was um, tweaking over the weekend too. And it's funny because, you know, Facebook ads are actually pretty brilliant because you can track so much. So you can see from the front end, like, all right, how many people are in this audience? How many people can see this ad? How many people clicked on it? How many people did the, you know, the next call to action? So it's pretty brilliant on how much you can track along the way. Um, And that doesn't happen in a lot of other (laughs) platforms and it doesn't Mm -mm. typically happen um, when you as CEO are really taking that 30,000 foot view and looking at your business. There's usually not that, that type of clarity there. Um, So one, I'll share a funny story. So, so I was getting my ads up and running 
Um, and I just noticed the, the click rate was just abysmal. <laughs> Sarah was like 0.2% or something. Um, I was like, what is going on? Hmm. And so that triggered for me. I knew that that was a low number and it triggered for me to go figure out how to solve it. And so come to find out one of the pixels wasn't firing, um, in the right spot. So, um, after a few minutes on support, <laughs> we finally got it figured yeah. out. So, but now once I got that fixed, man, the ads started to, to start running and they started to creep up. So um, now I'm at the spot where basically that's a perfect scenario of, hey, um, are things running? Is this, I like to think of it as like a, a stoplight. So am I in the red? Am I yellow? Am I green? Like green, everything's good. Yellow, I want to keep an eye on this. Red, like, hey, we got a caution alarm here. We need to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, so, and you want to have that at different you know, places in your business too. So like with your question, Angela, with, with the marketing, like, hey, if I'm going to spend $10,000 um, on this Facebook ad, am I, how much am I seeing in revenue? And be careful, is that revenue coming from the Facebook ad? Uh, because sometimes if you don't have it tracked all the way through your funnel, you might have, you know, other ways of generating revenue that aren't necessarily for the ad. But if they are, <laughs> mm -hmm. then heck yeah, I will spend $10, you know, I'll spend $1 every day for Mark Zuckerberg to give me 10. And let's just keep that gravy train rolling. Yes. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. And so I have been learning so much about it and it is not that easy peeps. <laughs> like <laughs> it is so to me, I'm like, this is so hard, but people who like love numbers and love data, they eat this stuff up and for lunch and dinner. Yes. yes. <laughs> and it's like fun. It is fun to understand but like when I have a Facebook expert, you know, with me on the phone or Zooming and I'm like, oh, that's what that means. And so they're like, you know, some people just throw it around like, yeah, we spend 10 grand a week on Facebook, which seems like, holy moly, that is a shit ton of money. But mm -hmm. if you have a course up and you're making 20 grand and you're at least making 50% of what you're putting out there for your marketing dollars, why would you not? And it takes money to make money. So that's where, but I will say too, like it took us a long time to test and test and test and test. And so many times things were not set up appropriately. It was my fault. <laughs> but I was like, I got to get somebody who like can teach me or know because it's, and they keep changing stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but what are some other great tools that business owners want to pay attention to like outside of the Facebook metrics? Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a great question. I get asked this question a lot, actually. So um, one of the best things you can do if you don't have this set up already, if you have a website, which everyone should be raising their hand right now, right? <laughs> like, yes. If you have a website, you need Google Analytics hooked Amen. up to your website. The, I, even, I think I even heard you talking about this on a, on a recent episode, Angela, with, <laughs> with someone. <laughs> yeah, this, this is such a wealth of knowledge. Um, this can tell you where, uh, yes, free. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so please hook it up. It doesn't cost you anything except for maybe five minutes of your time. Um, pick a YouTube, you know, how to doc thing and you're good to go. Yep. Um, so this tells you where traffic is coming in. So you can see the, the results of your labor. So, all right, I'm doing like you know, a thousand posts on Instagram, like, is that generating traffic to my website? Is that what I wanted <laughs> Instagram to do? You know, what's happening on LinkedIn? Is that driving people to my website? You can really see all from one hub. Where is traffic coming into your website? What are they clicking on? What's resonating? What are the most, you know, viewed pages? And from there, man, it's a lot easier to, uh, we actually had a client the other day where she has a lot of different um, things to look at on her website, but man, her blog is, is, you know, really crushing it. So when we see, Hey, where's the traffic coming from um, to her blog? And we see, Oh man, Pinterest is just really, really amazing at um, generating traffic and also click throughs to the products that she offers. Um, we're going to play 
how to amplify that? How do we scale that? Do we spend you know more time on Pinterest? Do we do more pins? Do we do promoted pins to increase that volume? Because we know it's working. We know that Pinterest traffic is already coming. So if we're going to double down somewhere first, that's going to be the first place we play. And we're not going to play over here on, on Facebook and SEO and some other things. When we already know something that's really working, let's amplify that as much as possible before moving on to the next thing. There's power in momentum when you identify what's working and being consistent. So mm. like with Pinterest, we, um, I would say like every year we pick one platform where we're going to spend an hour a day and engage and share and comment and like, and, you know, really build up authentic engagement. And so last year was Pinterest and so just by default from doing a lot of weddings and being able to help a lot of clients like do their dream events and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of pretty things to look at. <laughs> and so without even trying, you know, just putting pictures on there, it's like, no, nah, we get, okay, 20,000 views a month. No, no big deal. But then once we had an intern that it was like an hour a day, she would go on and she loved it. And it's like, I like Pinterest, but I only use it when I have a client that shares it with me. Otherwise, it's like a rabbit hole. It's like TikTok of like all day. I'm just like completely like, oh, I don't know if this is good use time. Because um, there's so many things that I just want to like pin and like and comment and be like, oh my God, I love this. Um, and so it really, I didn't really understand how effective that could be just by organically spending an hour a day. So by doing that in a year, it grew in the first two months to like 700,000 views a mm. month, you know? So it's like when you really put something into it and then we were like, okay, let's start running a few ads, you know, for various things on teaching people how to do design by psychology and things like that. But we wouldn't have known to do that unless, you know, somebody told us to, to do it. But by looking at the analytics, it was so helpful to know to put our eggs like in that basket. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was just amazing. And, you know, a lot of the tools that you have listed, you know, some of them are paid, but if you're already paying for like Kajabi or you're paying to be part of Shopify or they get a percentage why would you not look at your, your analytics? Like, oh my gosh, yes, it's, just, it's so telling. And so if people, you know, are using these things, but they don't look at their numbers, but they know they need to, like, where can you fit in? What, when people come to you to help them, like, what is your ideal client look like? Mm, yeah. So, you know, one of the, the really great things is people need, People that understand their numbers have a much greater, let's say tolerance, but capacity to, to do more than they would have otherwise. Um, and so, so our folks, we work with small business owners and online businesses that are really, they've got that foundation put together so they know what's working and now they really are in that space to say, okay, now I want to scale. Now I want to double down, but I want to feel good about spending $10,000 on ads and knowing that it's going to result in a hundred thousand in sales. Um, so, you know, our folks, they've, they've been in business for a while. They're, they're what we would call experienced. Uh, so they've been in business for a couple of years and are really, you know, committed and excited for, for that growth. Um, you know, they want to have, be that, that business that is creating impact and um, in their community and in their families um, and then with their teams too. So those are the folks that we tend to work with when, when they've got something that's working, but they're getting a little bit inundated with all the numbers and they know that there's power in the numbers. They just don't know how to harness it yet. And so that's what I feel like actually works really beautifully. Like we love partnering with, you know, creative visionary CEOs and then really coupling the data to that kind of that yin yang mm -hmm. on, Hey, let's bring both of this um, brilliance together so that we can really skyrocket the potential of the business going forward. I love that. So for people who do not have dashboards set up, like, what would you say is like the perfect dashboard that someone needs to be looking at? And are there 
tools that can aggregate all the data from, you know, 20 platforms and make one dashboard? And then how frequently should people be paying attention to a dashboard? This is a great question. Um, and, then to, <laughs> and one thing too, just to clarify what a dashboard is. Oh yeah. Um, it, it, it is very similar to the dashboard on your car, right? So we want to know how much fuel is in the tank. And, you know, we want to know um, how many RPMs we're going at. We want to know what speed our business is heading. Um, so much like that, a dashboard is a place where you can pull critical information and typically across platforms. So it's not just, you know, a QuickBooks report, um, but it is pulling, hey, what's happening on social media? Hey, what's happening um, for my for my courses? Are people actually opening and going through them? Um, all the way to, all right, how much revenue and profit was generated at the end of the day? So, and I, I find that, you know what, most people are, are visual <laughs> when it comes to learning. So what a da the brilliant thing about a dashboard is that oftentimes it's actually putting the data into a picture that you can actually understand. It's a lot easier to see like, oh, wow, the spike um, went up in this graph versus, you know, a spreadsheet that's filled with a bunch of numbers that basically people think it's like binary code or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so a dashboard makes it visual and what's great is I usually, I tell people, if you are new to the dashboard space, um, you don't want any more than like 12 key metrics that you're looking at. And while this can be different for everyone, um, there are a couple key things that, that I do see. Number one is having a good idea of what your social media is doing. So, um, pulling in a critical stat for, for Facebook, for Instagram. All right. Um, you know, what? are, are followers a, an important metric or is engagement a more important metric? Um, and if you don't know, then, then let's watch both for a while to see, all right, what is actually, um, more important in your business? Because the idea isn't to monitor everything. It's to monitor six, six to 12 things. Gotcha. Um, so something on the front end with social media. Um, then the next piece I was, invite people to look at is whatever it takes on the, the operations side of things. So um, for me, when we're working with our clients, we have certain calls that are happening. So I want to be able to see, all right, how many calls per week um, is my team having? That to me shows me that, hey, we're on track. Mm -hmm. um, so something operational like that. Um, and then on the back end, we always, always, always want to know what our revenue and what our profit is looking like. And the, I will say the thing I see most people struggle with is that they have created like a, an annual revenue target or an annual um, profit target, but they haven't broken it out by month. Um, and so this is you know, coming back to the basketball analogy. We want to know if you're winning the game all throughout the year and not just find out at the end. Um, so really having a piece where you are very clear on, hey, what was my revenue goal for the month and what did I actually show up as? So if my, my revenue goal was 50,000, did I hit 40 or did I hit 60? What, what did it actually end up being? Because having that number in front of you every single day is a pretty powerful motivator to find out, all right, is it working? Is it not? If it's not working, I'm going to jump in and take some action here. Absolutely. And writing it down and looking at it every day will help you get there. And it will also teach you that if you're in the middle of a global pandemic or if you're like, this is how we're going to make revenue next year. And these are our goals and these are our numbers. And then your business gets shut down. Mm -hmm. Then guess what? You have to figure out how to get creative and how are you still going to hit that number and that target for that month, but in a different way. And it forces you to think outside of the box and get very creative in fact, I've learned that real quick um, and not putting all your eggs in one basket and, you know, having just a brick and mortar versus no e-commerce versus if you're all online and you have an online following, you know, that's great if people can't go into a brick and mortar. So just lots of little things to, to think about. Um, 
Well, how would you, if someone came to you and said, okay, I want to leave my job because I want to start my own business, how would you tell them to transition? Like, what are the things that you would want them to think about? Yes. Um, and you know what? I, I did this exact thing. So I'll speak from experience on this yeah. one. So for me, I, I knew what I was making in corporate. And so very, the first thing was what was the revenue I was going to require to live on to support my family in this transition time period. So, you know, if, if I had an idea of what that looked like, then I could back into a lot of the other pieces. So the number one thing would be, all right, what is the revenue that you need to generate? And then figure out what it is that you can can offer you know to your audience and and what problem can you solve um through that offer Um, because from there it makes it pretty simple so if you know your goal is to make you know a hundred thousand dollars your first year and you have a thousand dollar offer all right we need to sell a hundred of those throughout the year and let's break that out by month. So I feel like, you know, the biggest piece is really just that initial planning step um, to get really clear on the numbers you're going to need to make that transition. And then the, the next step is honestly just connecting, 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 building relationships with people that are also serving that clientele so that you get to know the next person and the next person that eventually becomes your network, that eventually people can um, talk about you when you're not there. They become a bit of your, your sales team and figure out how to tap into that because that human to human um, interaction is still, you know, the best way to, to get that visibility early on in your business. For yeah. Sure. And you personally, I know, I mean, working nights and weekends and you're <laughs> pregnant while this was happening. Yes. How was that? So, <laughs> that, um, yeah. So it's funny. I had people, you know, I was, I was starting as a side hustle, so I wanted to validate my offer. Um, and so I found like a first couple of clients and then I was like, okay, I'm going to, I think I'm ready to make the leap here. You know, I feel like, you know, we've got enough savings pulled aside. And then like the next day <laughs> I was like, I, I feel like I should, should take a test, um, and find out we're <laughs> pregnant. And so oh my gosh. <laughs> I had, a, I had plans of like, um, pretty much giving my note, my, uh, my notice, uh, within the following month or so. And I was like, all right, we're gonna have to tweak this a little bit. Um, so I did stay on a little bit longer to, to bridge that gap and save up a little bit of extra money. But, um, the thing for me was I was so committed to the outcome, not in the next month, but the outcome 10 years from now, I was just really excited to, to build something that was mine, to build something that had impact and freedom, uh, for my family going forward. I mean, my, my first daughter was the reason I got started. My second daughter was the reason I had to really show up and make it happen (laughs) in a a quick time period. Um, like thanks girls. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Mommy's motivators. I love it. So, um, so yeah, that, it was definitely a challenge and honestly, looking back on it, I'm like, man, I'm like kind of a badass. Like, yeah, (laughs) how'd that even happen? Um, but I remember in the moment, like I just had my eye on the prize the whole time. Uh, there were going to be ups and downs. There were going to be wins and fails and struggles. Um, but I definitely had the mindset that if I was going to have challenges, if I was going to fail at something, then that also meant I was learning from it and I was going to be able to do it better next time. Um, and that was a, um, a big distinction that I feel like a lot of people can lose when it gets hard and it will definitely get hard, but it's when you have that, that commitment to what you want long-term and not the short-term that makes all the difference. I love that. So for people who are getting into or involved in, or they have no idea what a funnel is, (laughs) and I know that you're known as a funnel leak fixer for like people who want to do online courses and online programs and products. And for people who are listening 
that are selling things online or they're creating courses and they're trying to sell things online, um, what are some just things that you have experienced with your own clientele where, I mean, you already shared one where you noticed that you knew something was wrong with the number on Facebook and you went back and looked into it and the pixel wasn't firing. Mm -hmm. And so what are some common, I wouldn't say mistakes, but opportunities where people who are dealing with funnels or they want to deal with funnels, what are some of the common mistakes that you're seeing? Yeah, this is a good question, Angela. So with the funnel, I mean, just to break it down, basically the funnel is, hey, how do I have, how do I attract? How do I bring in traffic to, you know, let's just say to the website. So how do I generate traffic? How do I convert traffic into uh, a, a buyer? And then how do I deliver on that promise on the back end, right? Mm-hmm. So typically if you, you've got these very distinct segments of your business, so how am I attracting, how am I getting traffic? What's that visibility look like? There tends to be a place to optimize in those segments. And so that's where the data really shows its power. And Hey, if I have a traffic problem and I know that, Hey, I need 1% conversion rate, or I know I need 1 million views this month to be able to generate the traffic to my website. If any part of that is broken, then it's real clear to be able to pop in and say, okay, how do we fix this problem? Um, and, and then on the flip side, if it's running beautifully, how do I keep the CEO that usually has tons of brilliant ideas? <laughs> how do I keep them from not <laughs> disrupting this? Um, so yeah. that it continues to work really well. And so there's typically, you know, once you break down the the key processes in the funnel and you set those KPIs, what are those key performance indicators? What do those numbers need to look like to know that we're winning? Then it's basically a, it can be almost like a, a monitoring system where it's like, okay, this is firing, this is firing. Oh, nope, we've got a problem here. Um, so by breaking it down into those pieces, it allows you to fix certain areas that might be broken without disrupting the next stage in the funnel. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been working on funnels for years and learning them in Infusionsoft, which I don't recommend starting off that way. It should have been, I feel like I should have started at like lead pages and uh, click funnels and Kajabi and then working your way up. And I just like went in head first and really started to understand and dive into what all of that means. And again, especially when business owners have to pivot and it can be very expensive to pay someone to build out funnels for you. But what I find is like people don't even know what the journey needs to be because they don't look at their, their numbers and the analytics. So I just wondered like, is that a common thing? Like, do you have to go through and teach people like what that all means or do they come to you and they're like, okay, I have a built funnel, but something's not working. Can you help me? Yeah. We usually tend to have more of the latter. So, you know, creating a funnel, you know, takes some trial and error so that I kind of liken that back to your, your growth phase. Um, right. Mm-hmm. So figure out how it works. And then the second stage when scaling is really optimizing the funnel. So, Hey, it's working, but we definitely feel like there's opportunity to, to do things better or to improve here. And we just don't know what steps to take to, to make that improvement. Um, and sometimes and so, people are too close to it. I feel like. Yes. And I'll say too, like um, one of the other things we see is that they, they set it up and they looked at their numbers initially, but now it's been months down the road or, honestly years down the road and they haven't looked at them since they just they they keep running the thing and they see revenue coming in and out you know money's kind of coming in and out of their bank account they feel like everything's all right so unfortunately the the funnel metrics that they started with may not be the same funnel metrics that they're seeing now and they have no idea um how much it might have shifted or changed i mean things are happening all the time we're right in the middle of covid19 right now so mm-hmm. 
there are things that can impact the funnel. We can have seasonality, we can have um, holidays, we can have, you know, crazy events happening that that those funnel metrics are those uh, front end pieces that we can tap into so that the revenue keeps flowing on the back end. And that's where most people are struggling. How often do you think that people should evaluate like their funnels and the emails and the copy? Like what are best practices? Mm. Yes. So I am an advocate for always monitoring your numbers. So I think you asked earlier, I don't know if we got to it, but um, I'm a big proponent of monitoring your data at least monthly. And if it's, and if you also discover that there's some a lot of fluctuations in certain metrics, then sometimes I actually recommend looking at things weekly. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of times that ends up being like on the social media side of things. So at least at least monthly to be monitoring like, hey, are we still winning the game? <laughs> are we still on track here? Yeah, the fact that people think that they can just set up an ad or a funnel and then walk away for even oh uh, 30 days baffles me and i'm like it's almost like a baby and it needs to be fed and changed and you can't just walk away from it i mean you can but there's a lot of opportunity that can just fall through the cracks and a lot of people like they're wasting money so it just like one of the things I was looking at that said like, you know, what we were going to talk about today, it's like, stop wasting your money and your time and get very clear and get clarity on what is actually needed. The other thing that I've learned the hard way, uh, I'm interested to know what your thoughts are. How many funnels do you recommend that people run at once? Mm. <laughs> Um, one more than the ones that have been tested and proven. <laughs> okay. So, um, I'm a, I'm a big proponent and, you know, working with what's working. So until you have one funnel up and working, like don't figure out how to make that one work. Um, and then go on to the next thing. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes if you're in that growth phase still, you might need to be trialing, you know, a couple split tests in there, but. I would say for the most part, people have way too many mm -hmm. and they just need to get one solid funnel working and then you can go on to the next one. And honestly, a lot of times the funnel doesn't necessarily need to go into a different call to action. It needs to, you just need to be attracting people from a different traffic perspective. Um, so whether you're, you know, offering a free masterclass or if you're offering a free PDF at the end of the day, you want them to land on your landing page to buy your course. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't have to be different in all these different stages. A lot of times if, if you know what, if you know from the numbers that your, your landing page converts really well and that you're, um, you're seeing solid revenue and profitability from that, then it's just a matter of, okay, well, let's try a couple different attraction strategies. Let's, let's play with the top of the funnel here um, and offer a couple different ways for people to land on that landing page. Right. Yeah. I was going to say to you, like, what is the meaning of a funnel that's working? And so mm. would you say meaning it's actually profitable? Absolutely. Yes. That's a, a key piece that a lot of people bypass or, you know, they looked at it once when they first set things up. Um, so profitable by means of, Hey, it's profitable all the way through your business, including your overhead, including your ad spend, including, you know, team members that you have, have on your team. Um, you know, what is the true net profitability of, of a sale. So like if we'll go back to courses, if you have a thousand dollar course, did you spend a hundred dollars in advertising to get that, that, um, that purchase? Did you have to employ your team a couple of hours to set things up? Um, because so many times people will compare the ad spend to the revenue and say, Oh, well, my profitability was $900, uh, for that course. But really there are a lot of other pieces that go into this. And that's where I see a lot of the breakdown happening. So you really need to make sure that your funnel 
is profitable once all of the expenses are really tallied in together. And that's um, kind of that, that costing and that profitability analysis that really does need to happen so that you don't end up spending thousands and thousands of dollars and actually see your bank account go into the red because, hey, it's, it's working, people are buying, but you're actually outspending it and you're spending too much on creating it versus the profitability um, that comes out on the back end. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people, it's so funny because, you know, perception of, of what people see online and then what's actually happening is two different things. Like last week out a friend of mine, she was like, Oh my God, I, lo- I saw that ad. And it looks like that's going amazing. You have a ton of shares and lots of engagement. And she's like, you must be making like, you know, 15 grand a day or something. And I like literally had, I was drinking water and it like, you know, spewed across <laughs> I'm like on my treadmill desk, you know, walking and it's spewed. And I'm like, well, Laura, that's great that you think that. But um, what's really happening, that whole funnel took seven and a half months to build. It cost me about $55,000. And until I sell X amount, I'm not making jack shit <laughs> on it because it, I put way too much time and effort into it because I'm such a flipping perfectionist. Mm-hmm. But I'm so like determined to make my money back and then to make, I mean, we're making tweaks and changes and we have been, and you know, it's doing well, but it's like, it's going to be a little bit before it gets there because it took so long. And so that's exactly what you just said. It's like, you've got to look at the big picture of what your overhead was and how much you paid. You can't do it all alone. Like that's something else I learned. And we do, we really try to focus on one funnel at a time. Um, we used to do a bunch at a time and then I joined this mastermind group and they're like, we do a uh, quarter one and two, one product and then, and one funnel. And then the next six months, quarter three and four. And in my head, I'm like, are you guys lazy? And then they started like <laughs> sharing their scaling numbers. And I'm like, hmm, what is this? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm actually the idiot because I'm not tweaking and changing. And I didn't understand what scaling meant. And mm. so one more just kind of opinionated question, you know, a lot as we've built and built and built and the more groups that I'm in, I find it that people are pre-selling things before they fully finish and build it out, which is kind of like a Kickstarter campaign a little bit. But what are your best practices before people just start putting online courses out there in terms of polling your audience and what are your thoughts? Like, do you think someone should have it all built out before you even start talking about it or build the, build a buzz a little bit first? Yeah. So the, this definitely is a question that, that comes up a lot. And I, when you are starting something new, I am a big, big believer in making sure it sells before you create. So you can do a lot of the front end work to, to, gauge the interest to see how many people are actually wanting to buy and make the sale. And the brilliant thing about courses and programs is that you can deliver it live. You can drip it out, you know, week after week. It doesn't have to all come out at one time. And uh, you know what? A lot of people aren't going to you know, do all eight weeks of your course at one time anyway. <laughs> so if this is a new product that no one's ever seen before, by all means, like give yourself the the grace and the space to create that, that one training for the week to create it live. I mean, how much more engaged are we when we are um, honestly like on a live call with someone that's, that's walking us through much like, you know, teaching a class. And so that's what I found has worked really well for, for not only my programs, but client programs that they have developed. And um, so that's a big, big thing when you are (laughs) selling for the first time, please do like consider just, you know, dripping it out week after week and creating it with the audience that you have attracted because you might have created something with the, the mindset of, Hey, this is who's going to want to be in this in this course and in this program and who actually shows up might be different. They might be further along than you had expected. They might actually be further back and need more, more um, nurturing steps. So when you actually have them there, then you can tailor it to them and that helps you from wasting your time um, in the long run. 
A hundred percent. I'm so glad you said that. Some of the type A people that we work with, they're like, no, I have to do it this way. And I'm like, all right, well, I wouldn't do that. But For all you type like, A people, you can get the week one done, but <laughs> save uh-huh. weeks two, yes. two through eight. <laughs> yes. And save yourself a lot of heartache. And yeah. Um, so if people, so you have a masterclass on your website. If people want to go through that, what is the best way that they can do that? Yeah, I'd definitely invite you guys to to check out how to scale to your next million where we dive into the five shifts that it really takes as CEO, as a small business leader to to make that happen and to level up your business to version 2.0. Um, so you can check out that masterclass. It's at theprojectbooth.com slash masterclass. I love it. And then if somebody just wants to call you, they can book a call just by going to the the projectbooth.com slash book a call. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's Perfect. on the front page of the website as well. If you just go to the projectbooth.com. Awesome. And then you have a Facebook group and we'll put that in the show notes as well. That's a bit.ly link, bit.ly slash back end brilliance. I love that. <laughs> and go follow Lane at the project booth at on Instagram and all the goods and definitely check out her masterclass because there is so much good information on here. And if you're trying to just even grow your business and especially scale, you're going to want to know what she is teaching because this stuff is priceless and I've learned that the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Lane, for being on today. My pleasure, Angela. Thanks so much for having me. Yay. And everybody, thank you so much for listening and be sure to tune in next week to another episode of Business Unveiled. Y'all have a great day. Bye. Now that you have all the tools you need to conquer the world in GSD, just share this with your friends and your fellow GSD leaders and be sure you're a subscriber so you never miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled and you can ask Siri to listen to the latest episode, but you got to be a subscriber. Before I go, I have a huge favor to ask and it would mean the world to me. While you're listening, snap a quick screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, tag me at gsdleader underscore and share with me your top takeaway from this episode and how it relates to you. Until next time, remember, stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.